Welcome to Felony Friday, a presentation of the Lions of Liberty podcast. Here is your host, John Odermatt. Felons, friends, and freedom lovers, thank you for tuning in for another episode of Felony Friday on the Lions of Liberty podcast. This is the show where we strive to expose injustice in the broken criminal justice system. Now, this is the 15th episode of Felony Friday, so that means you can find the show notes for today's show at lionsofliberty.com FF15. On the show notes page, you'll be able to find links to everything that my guest and I discussed today, and you'll also be able to find a link to subscribe to the Lions of Liberty podcast on iTunes. Please consider subscribing and giving the show a five-star rating today. My guest today is Rocky McKay. Rocky is the founder and president of the Operation Organization, which is a nonprofit organization and has a program called Operation Reset. Operation Reset gives a hand up, not a handout, to U.S. veterans returning from combat, to nonviolent ex-offenders re-entering society, and to homeless people in need of a second chance. Rocky currently runs a successful roofing business, RTR Consulting, and they're based in Atlanta, Georgia. Rocky, welcome to Felony Friday. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, John. Well, it's great to have you here, Rocky. I wanted to um, have you on to hear your story and to learn more about Operation Reset. But before we do that, I want to give the Felony Friday audience a chance to get to know you and a chance to get to know about your past and your background a little bit and what you're all about. So just to get started, I've obviously read the About page on Operation Reset, and I understand that uh, your father was in the military and you grew up moving around a lot. Yeah. Spent some time in Italy and Germany. Can you tell us a little bit about what that was like and what kind of impact that had on you growing up? Yeah, pretty much. I am a former military brat and uh, we did move around a lot. The best things about moving around and being in the military is you're exposed to so much, so much culture, so much, you know, so much that others uh, don't have the privilege of being exposed to. Moving around, moving in, you know, different countries and sometimes being able to come back to the United States and get to see, you know, experience that whole thing. Each culture is very different. Each, uh, you know, country is very different as well. And as a child, I was able to experience a lot of that growing up. And I further continued to uh, do the same things with my kids and basically, you know, take them around and show them the world and different cultures and things that we embrace. It's just been a, a beautiful experience. And it has actually helped mold me to uh, today, to who I am today. So out of uh, all the places that you lived outside of the United States, did you have a favorite place? You know, Wow. <laughs> Put you on the spot. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. That's that's pretty good. I actually, I was really fond of Germany as a young boy. I, I was able to create so many wonderful memories of Germany and uh, also Rome. You know, I mean, it's just a great experience when we sit around. Sometimes during the holidays, we speak about, you know, I remember in Germany this or in Germany that. And, you know, and it's so funny because all my family members can truly relate to different things in Germany and being stationed in different areas and we have a different, so many other memories. It's great. That's awesome. That is awesome. So I understand once you did move back to the U.S., you settled in New York. Is that right? Absolutely. Yes. Yes. 
And so at what age did you settle in New York? And is this in New York City we're talking about? No, no, this is Long Island, New York. You know, uh, one of the things about traveling is that sometimes my parents got stationed in different areas. And what would happen is they would actually send me back to my grandmother. Upon sending me back to my grandmother, that gave them time to get situated and then send for me at times, especially during the summer and things like that. My grandmother lived in Nassau County, which is uh, Long Island, New York. And uh, yeah, I lived in Long Island, New York. <laughs> cool, cool. So today you own a roofing company. Yeah. Did you get started in roofing in New York or how did that come about? Wow, that's an amazing story too, because uh, I went to school originally for cooking and uh, I started a summer in the kitchen and it was too hot. So I gave that up. Later on, I decided I wanted to go for private investigation. And uh, meanwhile, I got the, my first few paychecks and that wasn't working for me. So then uh, what happened was uh, I was given somewhat the same opportunities that I hand out now. I was a young boy going to school and just trying to, you know, find my way. And I had a baby on the way. My uh, girlfriend at the time, slash, you know, uh, ex-wife, uh, she was like, hey, here's a company, we'll train. You know, you need to go there because we have a baby on the way. <laughs> so I went to this company and it was commercial roofing. It was my first experience. I walked up on a roof in uh, Kings Park, New York. Upon that, I was met with the option, either go up this long ladder or go home and get yelled at by my ex-wife. So I spent 10 years getting yelled at by the guy on the roof instead. It was a great opportunity. I mean, honestly, I knew nothing, and I worked for a company that truly trained me in every aspect. And one of the things about the employer was he bragged because he said that all of our workers here Basically, they don't have to work for me. You know, they're either going to college or have been to college, you know, and this is a place where they choose to be employed. You know, this is something that they choose to do. And uh, it was a great experience because everything that I learned along my way, I've adapted to so many things and I, I just pay it forward. You know, whatever I was taught through that experience, I pay it forward today. So did that experience kind of mold the operation that you have today? Did it give you a lot of the motivation for what you do today? The way that business was run, I guess. Yeah. Well, absolutely. Because my boss at the time, he, his model was uh, that, you know, you're going to learn, you know, and you're going to learn every aspect of this. And he just really desired for us to learn. And he paid it forward. If those rainy days and construction, rainy days, really construction slows down. That employer was more like, hey, on a rainy day, I want you guys in my office. I want you guys learning. I want you guys to be promoted within the company. I want you to make more money, to be able to do more things. And for myself today, I adapt to those things very well because, you know, if I have an employee that wants to go start his own company, I'll take the time to sit and talk to him about the different, you know, pros and cons of starting his own company. You know, if I have an employee that says, hey, I would like to, uh, you know, move up in the ranks. Then I'm going to get him the training necessary to move up in the ranks. That is very cool. So you're putting the time in to develop your own employees and also develop maybe eventual competitors, people that want to start another business. But you're doing it because you want to and you want to people to better themselves. That is very cool. Now, I want to ask you about something that I read that you have a, a nickname, nickname Rocky the Roofer. So how did that <laughs> nickname come about? <laughs> Well, you know, when you're young, you don't want to get dirty sometimes. Here's something amazing. When I was young, growing up, 
you were a man if you went out and got dirty. If you had a job and you got dirty and the more scuffs and, you know, uh, dirt you had on the pants, the harder you worked and you were respected for those things. And I remember getting that job and working on the roof and, you know, just being picked at. Like, here comes Rocky the Roofer. Here comes, you know, all my friends are like, here comes Rocky the Roofer. And it, it became a negative where even myself, I, I hated that name. It just, it just, ah, oh, you know, and now uh, it's so catchy. I love it. <laughs> Thank <great>. you. <laughs> so you're in New York during this time when you got your start in roofing. Then you moved down to Florida. Is that correct? Actually, I moved to Georgia, then Florida, but pretty much is correct. So were you in Florida or in Georgia when you got in some trouble and you ended up, you spent about three months in jail? Yeah, I was in Florida during that. I was locked up for three months. Yes. Can you talk a little bit about the uh, circumstances that led to you being arrested? And- yeah, absolutely. One thing I can express to you is that uh, I don't think any person out there should be ashamed of their past because it's not even what you've done, it's where you're going. You know, if we live in our past, then, you know, it never allows us to move forward. For myself, pretty much what happened for me was. I was hard headed, <laughs> you know, any possible thing that I could do or, you know, hard headed and stubborn. Some of us men are just stubborn and, and sometimes we don't listen. We don't listen to our friends or, you know, those that give us great advice. You know, it, it was a, you know, minor situation, but upon that situation, I did end up in jail, just like anyone else that truly feels that they cannot get there or that'll never be them. I was that person. I was the person I would never go to jail. You know, that'll never be me. And with the state of Florida, we see plenty of times where, you know, people go to jail for little or nothing. And uh, Florida has a slogan. It's come on vacation, leave on probation. (laughs) (laughs) And it is honestly the truth upon that for myself. I got locked up for basically just being hardheaded and really just, you know, just, I don't know, just being stubborn and a man with his pride, a man will starve, you know, behind his pride. And I was very stubborn and, uh, I went to jail. I did 90 days <laughs> and, uh, upon my stay for me at first, when I first walked in and I was like, I, I will not eat this food. I will not associate with anyone here. I will, you know, there's no Prada. There's no Gucci. There's no polo in jail. You know, everyone wears the same thing, you know, and uh, I did a short stay and it, it turned out to be a a life changing type of circumstance for myself because uh, I judged those that I shouldn't have judged. I looked at those that without knowing their circumstances and, and I was so wrong for that. And I I learned, I learned, and I thank God for that lesson. That's awesome. And I'm just going to share a real quick story myself, because I've had a similar learning experience when I was working in Colton, California. I think I've I've told the story once before on the show, but I'm working out there and I was working in human resources. And one of the first things my boss gave me was to go through some, uh, you know, a bunch of resumes of uh, people in the area. We needed to hire like four or five people. Mm -hmm. So I'm going through these resumes and almost every resume has the, you know, it asks you about if you have a criminal background, do you have a felony conviction, felony charge? And everyone that had the box checked, I just assumed, okay, we need to put these resumes away. We got to put them to the side. These mm. people aren't for this place. They're not to work here. And I took them. I thought I was doing a good thing. And I took them forward to my boss, the plant manager. 
and he's looking through them and he goes, what, where's the rest of the resumes? You know, because every time he's been brought resumes, there had been, you know, former felons, people with a criminal past throughout. Yeah. And in that, I mean, and there was nothing wrong with that. And through that experience, I learned that a lot of those people, they were some of the best workers we had. Absolutely. And you can't judge people by their past mistakes. Absolutely. So that, I just wanted to share that with you, share that with the audience. I think that is a really important point that Rocky made there. Definitely. Definitely. That's a great story. That's a great story. It really is. Yeah. So once you got out of jail, you're in Florida. So at what point did you start your roofing business? Was that before or after you went to jail? Well, honestly, I was dabbling in it throughout life, you know, anyway. And uh, I didn't really take it as serious until I actually got out of jail. And once I got out of jail, I took it a lot more serious and it became a a real pivoting point for me in my life that, you know, I grew up, you know, I went through fire, I walked through the fire, I survived, I grew up and I became more serious about life and business. So where does the idea ultimately for Operation Reset come from? Was there a moment in time when you had an idea Absolutely. To start this organization? Yes. In 2008, I was looking on TV in uh, Florida. During that time, schools were closing down. And there were so many job fairs throughout Florida where, I mean, it was like the media was covering it like it was the election with Donald Trump nowadays, you know? It was that much media coverage on it because how, you know, schools were being closed, so much was happening, and they would show lines you know, almost a mile long with people sitting outside in the sun. And over a weekend, I wrote Operation Reset out. And the reason why I wrote it out, I said, I wonder how many people there, you know, just don't qualify for anything. I wonder how many people there borrowed their friend's shirt or their uncle's boots or shoes or something just to look nice for the employer. And now everything has shifted because now the employer can get more bang for his buck. So in my head, I said, I wonder how many people are in dire need. At the time, Operation Reset was written out over a weekend. I filed it in the computer and left it. Upon my release, one thing I wanted to note was while I was locked up, the same people that I judged, I began to connect with. I began to ask questions. So how'd you get here? You know, what happened in your life that you're in and out of jail? Consistently, a lot of these people said, I don't know any better. I haven't been taught anything else. This is all I know. I have a felony charge. No one will give me a chance. I go for jobs. I go for jobs. I hear no, 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 no. At that point, during that summer, one of the summers uh, thereafter, I was presented a chance to give back. And I remember those people and I remember connecting with these people. I mean, you have guys in jail that are geniuses, but some of them can't write. Some of them can't read. And You know, what I did was uh, I started a project in Montgomery, Alabama. That project that I started was the Hyundai plant project. It was pretty much a very huge project. And a bus pulled up. The guys came and got me. One of the guys that worked for me came and got me and said, you're not going to believe this. And he's laughing. And I said, well, tell me. He goes, you just got to see this for yourself. Come on down here. Come look at this and tell me, just look. It was a bus full of inmates. They were making the transition from the big house to the halfway house. And that's when I said Operation Reset. You know, it just clicked in my head. And I said, you know, I went on the bus and he goes, I know you ain't going to hire these guys, but, you know, look at this. And I connected with those men because I knew 
those very same people I met when I was sitting in jail and I knew that it was my turn. It was my time. It was my turn to give back and help these people. I knew that these people in their mind, they were saying another no. I hired everybody off the bus. Everybody that came off the bus, I said, come on, I'm going to do an orientation and you all are hired. And that's where you hired every single person off the bus. I hired every single person off the bus. It was 20, it was like 20 people or something like that that came off the bus. And that's where today's a yesterday was born, you know, and I did it more as an experiment. A beautiful story came out of that. And I'll tell it real quick. There's so many people that came off that bus. There were guys that did 25 years for a possession of marijuana. You know, I mean, I could not believe the amount of time that some of these people did for minimal crime. And it was horrible, you know, that a man loses his life over possession of, you know, marijuana, you know, and and things like that. These southern states, the southern region states are very severe, you know, on how they prosecute these people. So there was a gentleman, his name was Oscar. He was big as John Coffey. Everyone said, if anyone's going to go crazy or buck, it's him. You need to work next to him. You know, and I work next to him. And, uh, the best story is that every week, Oscar, you know, I said, come on, Oscar, let's get through, man. Let's get your, you know, your feet paid so you can go home to mama and have a good weekend. I would greet him every Monday and say, how was your weekend, man? And, you know, he would tell me his weekend and everything. But later on, after the project ended, he called me up. He said, I want to say thank you to you. I'm like, wow, what did I do? And the thing was, I didn't realize how much I impacted Oscar's life. Oscar told me, You believed in me more than I believed in myself. You were more happy for me to go home than I was happy to go home. And he thanked me. He said, I just want you to know, man, because of you, you know, I've changed my life. I have now moved to West Palm Beach, Florida. (laughs) And he got great employment all over again, and, and he reset his life. That is powerful stuff right there. So obviously, that first time when you hired the 20 people off the bus, it was probably a little different training situation than you have set up today. I assume there's more, more procedures in place and stuff like that. Can you talk a little bit about for somebody you know, being released from jail, take us through the process of they sign up with you and what happens next? Absolutely. A person is released from jail. They're just pressured. They've walked out of those doors and they said, hey, I am going to do better. They told the counselors, the, you know, the COs, you'll never see me again. And when they walk out those doors, they got a probation officer, a parole officer pressuring them. They have the family pressuring them. You need to get a job. You need to show us that you're going to do better. They look through the paper or whatever. They find a way to contact Operation Reset. Operation Reset, they come on in or they come to one of my job sites. They say, hey, you know, I, I just need a job, man. I said, today's a yes day, or either I hold an orientation or I'm contacted by their probation officer or some way. And I hold an orientation. Generally, we don't say no to anyone. Operation Reset does have some no's, and those things are, you know, uh, violent offenders and also um, sexual offenders. Outside of that, we help everyone as much as we can. We've partnered up with companies, we've partnered up with manufacturers and people that are ready to train them, are ready to assist them. And all they need to have truly is change. They need to have that burning desire for change and ready for change. Not coming out of jail and go, well, I'm going to go back to my old ways, but I'm going to 
call this Operation Reset people. No, we vet those people out. We have a vetting system. We vet them out, usually even down to the uh, prisons or the jails. Psychologically, they vetted those people out as well. But they come in, we immediately start training, and we see what their abilities are. We see, can are, are they able to be trained? At that point, we put them to work. They start OJT at a certain point, which is on-the-job training, and we just get them with an employer. We become a voice for a sector of people, whether they're you know, people with felony convictions or even our veterans. Our veterans are treated almost as if they have felony convictions too because they come home with PTSD and they're treated the same exact way. Today, I just got one of our veterans hired for an international roofing company and he's like, thank you. You know, he's throwing his hands up and thank you, thank you, thank you because he's like, I've never had someone just speak for me and just say yes and not judge me because I went and fought for my country and now I'm in this condition. And, you know, he got a job. Our focus is to say yes to everyone. Our focus is just truly to get them where they need to be. So you, you mentioned that this veteran got a job with an international roofing company. So you're working with companies not just throughout the United States, throughout the world. Is that right? Well, the thing is that some of the companies, they call themselves international because they're doing work, whether it's the Puerto Ricos or the Dominican Republics and companies, places like that as well. At that point, they can take on the title of international. But outside of that, they're more nationally uh, developed relationships with different companies. Uh, right now, we're in construction, but we truly, truly invite all industries to come and contact us to help train, whether they're IT, whether they're a baker, whether they're a car mechanic. I mean, the list goes on, but it doesn't matter where they are. If, if they want to, you know, participate and be a sponsor and train these people, it doesn't matter where they are. Let's just help these people out and get them where they need to be. And uh, usually we try to identify the benefits for the employer as well, that the benefits of reducing recidivism, changing the community, not having to pay taxes, you know, and so on. Operation Reset itself has, I mean, right now we're as serious as serious can be, not even truly brushing the surface. Should we save taxpayers over $5 million? That's not even trying. So, and the other part is this, I've funded this myself all the way up into today. So we just became a 501c3 and we're very excited about that. We want funding. We're going after grants. We're going after all these things. If a small company is doing so much, why can't the big companies participate? So what does that 5013c status mean? It's tax exempt. You know, at that point, it allows the company to uh, go after any government grants or anything, you know, necessary to uh, help, you know, change the quality of life, really. You know, there's grants set aside for whether it's reducing recidivism there's, or training, you know, people that come home from jail. There's so many grants, so many things that, that we're looking to uh, participate and uh, get coming in the door, as well as any corporate funding or anything as well to just basically train these people and get them on track get them where they need to be and help them rewrite their legacy. So does does Operation Reset accept donations as well? If our listeners wanted to help out that way, is that something they could do? Or is there any other way that our listeners could help Operation Reset? Absolutely. The ways that we would like for people to uh, participate with Operation Reset and give us, of course, financial is definitely one. In other words, donations, any equipment 
that they can donate, any time that they can donate, any equipment, books, employers to come out and participate and be a part of changing lives of individuals that are in dire need, that want to change. One thing uh, about a lot of the industries now is that there is a deficit. In other words, there is a sector of people, we can't find a skill set. We don't have it. There's a shortage of good workers. And we know that there are people looking for jobs and we're Operation Reset is truly trying to identify these people, vet them, get them in front of employers as well. You know, so the the ways is donations, you know, any equipment of any sort that they would like to donate. We just want to get these people trained on everything and, and build relationships with serious employers and serious volunteers. And where can people go to donate? What's the website and that information? Please contact us on www.operation-reset.com. And also, they can follow us on Facebook or contact us on Facebook at Today's the Yes Day and also Twitter, Today's the Yes Day. That's awesome. This is truly a powerful story, Rocky. The work you're doing, just giving back out of your own heart. You've said you funded this out of your own pocket for a long time. That is awesome. How many years has Operation Reset been around for? Operation Reset has been around for a good, strong five years now. And we're looking to take this as far as as the world will allow us. You know, we would like to get some type of presence of Operation Reset or participation in every state. Very cool. So thank you, Rocky, for being so generous with your time. Thank you for everything you're doing with Operation Reset. You're truly making an awesome impact. And thank you for sharing your story with Felony Friday. Thank you, everyone out there. And thank you, John, so much. Thank you for having me. Have a great day, Rocky. Thank you. You too. If this episode doesn't motivate you and inspire you to take massive action, then I don't know what will. Rocky McKay is a guy that saw a problem in the criminal justice system. He saw the problem firsthand with recidivism, which is people just being recycled through the criminal justice system. They get arrested, they get released, they get arrested again, over and over again. He didn't just complain about it. He didn't pay lip service to it. He became the change maker. And he set up Operation Reset to try to solve the problem. Operation Reset is doing this by helping veterans, nonviolent offenders, and the homeless to find an opportunity that can literally change their life. Now, I encourage our listeners to check out the Operation Reset website. You can go to operation-reset.com, visit the website, and do what you can to help out, guys. That's all I ask. Thank you all for listening. You can participate and contribute to Felony Friday by connecting with other lovers of liberty by joining our private Facebook group. It's called the Lions of Liberty Forum. You can simply search Lions of Liberty Forum on Facebook and the group will pop right up. Click the link and we will approve you as quickly as we possibly can. Don't forget to follow the Lions of Liberty on Facebook and on Twitter. And you can also check out all the past episodes at lionsofliberty.com slash felony friday as always everyone thank you so much for listening today this is john odermatt signing off always remember to keep your head up and the fires of liberty burning <laughs>